Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Connected by Community, brought to you by Valentine Capital Advisors. I'm your host, Anthony Colincheco, and with me is Cameron Cannon. And we also have uh, Jessica Lockwood at, from Valentine Capital Advisors. And our special guest is Amanda Osborne from Make-A-Wish. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. And uh, we're going to start off with uh, telling us a little bit about yourself, uh, what you do per, uh, professionally, personally. You have children. Are you from the area? Sure. Um, so my role is the Vice President for Mission Advancement with Make-A-Wish South Carolina. And I get to oversee all the fundraising programs for the entire state. Um, we raise about $4 million a year to support wishes for critically ill children throughout the state. Um, I am the mom of two, and I live in Malden. My family has been here in the upstate of South Carolina for about nine years, and we absolutely love it. And um, probably, as you might guess, with a, a Make-A-Wish staff person, what we like to do in our spare time is travel. And so we, um, inspired by what I do every day, like to make memories as a family. Where are you originally from? Uh, North Carolina, okay. a tiny town in the mountains of North Carolina. <laughs> well, it seems like everybody's from out of town. So you're you're from Philadelphia. You're, you just came here from Louisiana, and now she, from she's from North Carolina. I'm the only native here, so I'm, uh, <laughs> it's getting fewer and fewer by the day. It seems like it's crazy. You're yeah. a rare breed. I know it's <laughs> ridiculous. So awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about how you got started at, at Make a Wish. What was the draw there? And um, you know, tell us a little bit about you know how you kind of got started. I have always been a nonprofit fundraiser. Um, when I was in graduate school in um, Greensboro, North Carolina, I talked to my advisor about all the things I was interested in doing, and um, we had a, um, a an alum come one night and talk about his role as a fundraiser. And I left that evening and said, that's the one for me. Like, that is the job that works for me, because every single day is different. Um, you get to deal with a variety of folks, whether it's a fundraising program with uh, a preschool and a group of little kids and their parents, or uh, a gala with um, affluent donors. And um, every day is just uh, different, and it's a great opportunity to do lots of things, meet lots of different folks. So I was really inspired in that moment to become a fundraiser, and I've been really fortunate to work for some great organizations in my career. Um, but about three years ago, when Make-A-Wish came calling, uh, I knew that it was the perfect place and the best mission, and then fortunately, it is the best team of folks. So um, I have been with Make-A-Wish for about three years, and it is it is truly a wonderful group of um, individuals that make the mission happen, both our staff and our volunteers. So um, I've just been very fortunate. That's how I ended up at Make-A-Wish. Tell us a little more about the mission uh, for Make-A-Wish. So our mission is to grant a life-changing wish for every eligible child. And eligible for us means that they live in the state of South Carolina. Obviously, if they live outside side the state, they're eligible in another territory. Um, they are between the ages of two and a half and 18, and they have a critical illness as defined by our National Medical Advisory Board. And um, if that is the case, then they are eligible for a wish, and we get to work uh, to figure out what that wish is and how we can make that happen. Um, so a little bit about our mission. Um, we've been around for over 40 years, and um, locally we've granted over 3,500 wishes in the state of South Carolina. That's incredible. What's a typical wish look like, or what's maybe your favorite wish that you've seen since you've been there? Um, so typical um, before COVID, the typical wish was, I want to go to Disneyland. 
Um, the vast majority of our wishes were travel, and the vast majority of those were Disney wishes. And Disney is an incredible national partner that makes it so easy for us to grant that wish, and they make the experience for the family um, second to none. Um, since COVID, we've really looked at how we can safely grant travel wishes, and so sometimes those are in um, non-group settings, so not at Disney, maybe a, a beach or um, a cabin in the mountains and how we can um, allow kids to travel shorter distances. So travel has changed a good bit. And what we've really seen an uptick in is uh, the to-have wish. And so that is a kid who wishes to have a golf cart, a backyard pool, um, a Bernadoodle puppy. That was that was a good one. <laughs> um, a shopping spree or something like that. And it allows the kid to have something that is safe and at home, um, so it's really changed over the last two years with COVID, and now we're starting to move back to the Disney wishes and the travel wishes. Um, so typical is is really um, a relative thing depending on the time. Um, my favorite wish is um, we have a, a little boy, and he actually lives in my neighborhood, so that's it's as local as it can possibly be. And um, Bennett is five years old, and he wished to be a police officer and catch a thief. <laughs> and back in late January, we were able to grant that wish, and the entire community came out. Um, so in Sunset Park in Malden, there were hundreds of people there to see Bennett catch a thief. Um, and all of the police departments, sheriffs, um, agencies from around the upstate were involved. Um, and, of course, our whole neighborhood got involved, and they gave him a hero's welcome. And Bennett has seen that wish continue. Um, other uh, offices have invited him to be a special guest or to get awards at their um, police banquets and things like that. And so um, when I saw him most recently, he was writing tickets from his um, City of Inman ticket book. Uh, <laughs> so if anybody's uh, misbehaving, he's going to take care of that. But it's just a really sweet wish and just so genuine, uh, you know, a five-year-old that wants to be a police officer. Yeah, I love that the whole community got involved as well. That's that's awesome. So. Jesse, tell us a little bit about your your involvement. I know you've been involved since about 2005. Um, personally, uh, you had a, a kid go through the program, and then also uh, I know you've been volunteering and helping raise money. So give us a little background about that, and I know your Disney trip as well. Yeah, so um, I have a son that was a Make-A-Wish kid in 04, and we went to Disney. They have a little um, ranch there. It's called Give the Kid the World Village, you know, and it's it's kind of secluded for the Wish kids. And whatnot. And so we were able to go there and the whole experience. They have all these special things they surprise you with. You know, I won't break all the secrets. <laughs> but um, it was really nice. And then I came home and I said, you know, this was a, an uplifting thing for us. So I have to have to give back, you know, pay it forward. And so I've been volunteering as a wish granter since 2005 uh, for Make-A-Wish. And then currently joined the Wish Society and, and raising money for a wish coming up, so I'll be posting that fundraiser starting next week. Um, but it's a it's a good deal. Um, one of the questions that I had for you is um, the the need for volunteers. You know, of course, in a perfect world, we have all the planning going on. A, a wish child can can tell you, "Hey, this is my wish," and you have a, a certain planning period. But there's also things like rush wishes um, for kids. And so, where does that bring in the need for donors and volunteers? On that level, 
So um, for volunteers, we always have a need in terms of wish granting, and we've really broken it into three categories with the wish discovery, and that's meeting the kid for the first time and finding out what they're interested in. And then the wish pal, um, because of COVID, sometimes the wishes have taken longer to grant. And so we stay in touch with them. We send them cards. We reach out for their birthday, um, maybe gifts and things like that. And then the wish celebration. And that's when the Disney trip is ready. You show up with the Mickey ears and the itinerary and the plane tickets. Or when the shopping spree is ready to take place, you know, you meet the limo and roll out the red carpet. And so those volunteer categories, we are always in need of them. Um, before COVID, those were in person. Um, since COVID, they've been mostly virtual. And now we really have an opportunity to, based on the volunteer schedule and the wish kids, they can be either. Um, and so it really has enriched our volunteer program that folks can do all of those things. Um, we also love to have volunteers for our fundraising programs, whether it's being an active participant in wish society and fundraising or supporting um, our Wish Night fundraiser and coming out to help check people in or help uh, run the silent auction and things like that. So volunteers really make our program work. It's about uh, 250 active volunteers around the state, and we could not do this work without them. Right. And so um, as far as the wishes themselves go, tell me what sets them apart from a normal vacation or just a normal gift that a wish kid can have and how it kind of plays into their timeline as they're going through everything that they're going through. Um, we really work with the medical professionals to make sure that the wish is granted at the time that it will be most beneficial. And so for some kids and some illnesses, that may be at the peak of treatment when things are just the absolute worst and they need that boost. For other kids, it may be the celebration of the end of chemo and they ring the mm -hmm. bell and they leave chemotherapy for the last time and Saturday they're leaving to go to Disney and it's a huge celebration. Yeah. Um, so the timing is something that we try to work with the parents and the medical professionals to make sure that we're getting it just right. We also want the kid to be able to enjoy the wish. And at certain points of treatment cycles, that is more difficult than others. Um, and then certainly, you know, looking at our rush wishes, um, about 10% of the wishes that we grant every year are uh, wishes for terminally ill children who have less than six months. Um, to receive that wish. And those kids always go immediately to the front of the line, and we make sure that we grant that wish just as quickly as possible, um, no questions asked. So in terms of the timeline, um, I think it it depends on every child, and we try to make it really special. Um, and then in regards to making the wish different than a normal trip to the mall versus a make-a-wish shopping spree or a trip to Disney versus a make-a-wish trip to Disney, um, our volunteers and our staff really go above and beyond to make every detail special. Um, they like to have secrets or little surprises that are um, planted along the way. We work, if it's a trip, with the Make-A-Wish chapters in the location where the family is going to make sure that they will be hosted and welcomed. Um, and then we take all of the worry off the parents. The trip is planned and absolutely every detail is taken care of and funded. Um, so whether that's a rental car or paying the mileage if you want to drive your own car, it is money for food and beverage, for snacks, for souvenirs, all of that loaded onto a debit card. It's every single detail of that trip taken care of um, because mom and dad need a, a chance to relax too. They have been in a very high-stress situation through treatment. 
So we really try to make it different than just a normal vacation. Um, I've actually had a friend whose daughter received a wish when she was about 12 and she went to Disney. And she's always said, when I turn 16, I want to recreate that Disney trip. And her mom's like, I don't know if I can do that (laughs) Um, because it is pretty special. I have a question for both. Uh, How's Make-A-Wish made an impact on your life? Uh, I'll start with Jessica. Um, you know, there's there's something to be said for what you get out of out of volunteering and giving, you know, and so I've had the unique opportunity to to see these wishes come true and see them come to life. You know, um, as a wish grantor, I've worked from a point of meeting the children and finding out what their wish was and following it all the way through to the end with the planning process and stuff like that. And there's really nothing that um that can be a, a price tag put on being able to to see that happen for for a kid, you know, and and really the rewards you get out of just being able to help and and give back. Um, I think for me, as the mom of two healthy children, it just makes me incredibly grateful um, for my family and their health. And I have met so many incredible parents um, who are facing pretty tough odds. And seeing their resilience and their strength. And so um, I think just being part of that uh, gives you a little more strength and um, definitely makes me a better parent, I believe. So um, personally, I, I think about it every time I hug my children. So is there a, a waiting list for some of these? There is. Um, and so, uh, again, kind of a different situation because of COVID. Um, we had a waiting list of about 275 children before COVID. Um, and because we put so many trips on hold, now that waiting list has grown to 500. And um, last year, we granted 109 wishes. Our typical pre-COVID was around 200. Um, so that added to the waiting list. Um, this year, we are going to exceed our all-time high. And so we're going to grant 210 or 215 wishes and help to clear that pipeline a a little more. Next year, we plan to grant 250, and the year after that, 275. And so at that point, that will help alleviate the pipeline. Um, There are about 250 children in South Carolina that are um, diagnosed with a critical illness and referred to us every year. And so we want to be consistently granting 250-plus wishes in order to make sure that we're addressing the need as quickly as possible. For some of our our people listening, even us here, what I guess what slows up that pipeline is it is it more on the financing side? Is it more on the volunteer side? Is it kind of split fifty fifty? I guess what could we do better in South Carolina to kind of help you guys, you know, progress to see those higher numbers getting granted? The bulk of the pipeline grew over the last two years because uh, travel was restricted due to COVID, mm-hmm. and so a lot of families said rather than switch to a shopping spree or a puppy, we just want to wait for our Disney trip. And it's okay if it's a year or two. Um, And so now we're going to accelerate that. Um, There also were some to-have wishes, golf carts, boats, and campers, where um, the supply chain just didn't allow us to grant as many of those as we wanted. There literally wasn't a pontoon boat available in South Carolina um, for a period of about six to nine months. Um, and so that slowed it down. As we're progressing from that, supply chain issues are uh, freeing up and travel is now less restricted. It really is about financials. And so every dollar that we raise is going to help us grant those 500 wishes even quicker. And so financial support um, will 
will help alleviate the pipeline as we're now able to move all those wishes forward. What's a what's the cost of a typical wish? I mean, I know that's kind of ranges from all over, but I mean, what do you guys usually see in terms of averages? Um, we say that our average wish cost is about seventy five hundred dollars, and um, as you can imagine, that is it varies widely. Um, we've had children who wanted to adopt a puppy from the Humane Society or a kitten, and that wish is probably about five hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we pay the adoption fee, we give them lots of supplies, and uh, maybe a, a little shopping spree at PetSmart, and it's a very affordable wish. We have other wishes, uh, say a family wants to go to Hawaii, for example, and there are six siblings. And so now that's eight people headed to Hawaii, and that wish is uh, much more costly than $7,500. But we're always working with our partners to reduce the cash cost as much as possible, whether that's a national partner like Disney or the airlines to get donations, or a local partner who wants to give a kid a shopping spree or... Um, do uh, construction work on a deck or a room makeover at a reduced cost. So yeah. we work with as many partners as possible to reduce the cash cost. People do want to volunteer or help out and build decks. How, how do they uh, reach out or um, you have a website? Yes. So if folks want to volunteer in any way, if they want to donate, get involved in any way, um, wish.org slash SC, and there are lots of ways to contact our office, um, depending on what your interest is, whether it's fundraising or volunteerism, or if you have a child that you'd like to refer to a wish, there's also a way to do that. Awesome. awesome. And um, do you have any uh, events, charity events coming up? Or? <laughs> we do. Um, so our first return to uh, real-life events, um, moving away from virtual is coming on Saturday, May 14th in Charleston. And so we'll have our Wish Night event, and um, we'll have lots of great surprises there, and we'll be telling lots of uh, Wish stories featuring a couple of Wish kids. It is at the Gilliard Performing Arts Center in Charleston, and so we're going to feature two Wish kids who have gotten musical instruments as a part of their wishes over the last year, uh, which will be lovely. And so we're really excited about that. It's been two years in the making, uh, so May 14th. That is awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Cameron has a signature question, but we're going to actually ask both. We're going to ask Jessica and we're going to ask Amanda. Okay. So we'll start with you, Jessica. What makes you tick? Um, being part of a community uh, as I've just moved here and everything. But one of the big things that I, that really makes me tick is getting involved in stuff, getting to know people and just being part of a bigger picture. Um, that's my favorite thing to do. I, I can talk to a wall. And, <laughs> um, and I, I really just like getting involved, being part of something, something bigger than myself. Well, I know uh, being the only Greenville native, we're happy to have you here. And what about you, Amanda? Um, I would say it's very similar, like building community and being part of a community. And I think Jessica may have missed her calling as a fundraiser. <laughs> uh, but connecting people and doing so in a way that makes our community and our relationships stronger. Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, maybe tell our uh, our podcast community what's the best way to uh, to get in contact with you guys, um, whether they're wanting to volunteer uh, financially or you know even volunteer. Maybe go to the event coming up on May fourteenth. All of the contact information is available on wish.org/sc. You can call the office, you can shoot us an email, um, or you can fill out your volunteer application right there on the spot. So, um, lots of great ways to connect, and we're always looking for financial 
uh, sponsorship for volunteers. And of course, if anybody wants to refer which child in the community, we'd love that. Well, we really appreciate you and thank you for being on our podcast and thank you everything you're doing for make a wish uh make a wish has made an impact on one of our own um so so we're really grateful for that so thank you it is my pleasure thank you all for listening to connected by community brought to you by valentine capital advisors uh please like us share us on social media facebook linkedin uh instagram but we're also on all the podcasts uh go out and make our community great All information during this podcast is for discussion purposes only, should not be construed as advice. Please seek the advice of appropriate professionals before acting on anything in this podcast. Past performance is not an indicator of future results. Securities through Triad Advisors, LLC, member FINRA. Advisor services through Ballantine Capital Advisors, Inc., Triad Advisors, and Ballantine Capital Advisors are not affiliated.